our average rate of acceptance, first time acceptance, meaning the author's top choice journal, no rejections, is more than 50%. That represents an enormous saving of time and effort that our faculty can then put into their clinical service. We don't do the science and we don't write your papers, but we certainly can assist that effort and make you more successful. So that's, that's our passion. That's what we love to do that we're trained to do. Hi, everybody. I'm Kim Skorupski. Welcome back to the Faculty Factory podcast. And on today's episode, I'm so pleased to bring to you Miss Rachel Box. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Kim. Well, thank you for coming on the Triple H series, The Habits and Hacks from Hopkins. And everybody listening, I want you to just buckle in because Rachel is going to tell you about her fantastic position here at Hopkins and a resource that you may not be aware of. Rachel, why don't you start with by telling everybody what you do with us here at Hopkins? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. I love talking about editing. A lot of folks don't really know what it is editors do, and particularly scientific editors, scholarly editors, specialized technical editors. So my role uh, is within the Department of Orthopedic Surgery here at the School of Medicine, and I lead a small team of editors, and we help our faculty get their science published. And that is both clinical research and basic science research. So we do that with a total turnkey approach. This is a content-based approach, as well as um, all of the sort of administrative tasks that go into, um, into publishing, into scholarly publishing. So I am a board-certified editor in the life sciences, as are my team members. And uh, we are language specialists meaning we don't come at this from a science background. We are not orthopedic surgeons ourselves, for example, but we come at it from a language perspective, which actually gives us a whole lot of value um, because we can help make the science more accessible to a larger audience. Um, and so the uptake is better uh, when you do publish. Um, more people read your study because it's written in a style that is, that is more accessible. I'm just so excited about this. As you know, I have been really in, in favor of providing editorial services and writing services to faculty forever and ever. And I oftentimes get this kind of a remark that editors are ghostwriters. What do you mean? And if you're a faculty member in um, a university, you should be writing your own papers. We are not in, in favor of this. Can you tell people exactly what does an editor do and what do they not do? Absolutely. Absolutely. As we all know, there was a lot of scandal over ghostwriting several years ago, and it became um, a, a, a very uh, touchy subject. And we are certainly not ghostwriters. We do not do any type of writing. Sometimes we do some revision of, of, of things. Obviously, that's what editors do. Uh, what we do the most is ask questions of our authors. We try to anticipate questions that the reviewers will have in peer review, and we try to then address those potential issues before the article is ever submitted to the journal. And so we're, so editing, editing, what is editing? <laughs> Some people think of editing, they think, oh, proofreading, great, right, you'll get rid of my spelling error as well, spell check pretty much takes care of that, and there's medical spell checker you can get, so I'm okay there. 
oh, you'll, you'll fix my commas. But you know what? No paper has ever gotten rejected for misplaced commas, right? That really, <laughs> yeah, we have a command of that. We can help you with that. But that is just not the heart of what we do. What is the heart of what we do? Well, we approach a manuscript as a non-subject matter expert, and we read it critically for logical flow. We are well acquainted, well versed with the conventions of scientific writing. So we help to ensure that your paper doesn't have a meandering discussion that goes off on tangents, that your introduction actually strongly presents the rationale for why your study matters, why it's important. We get people's attention, help them understand the, the applicability of whatever your research question was. We do, we absolutely do housekeeping things like making sure that the data you present in your abstract are the same as the data you present in your results and match up to the data you present in your tables and your figures. We find inconsistencies in nearly every manuscript we work on. So, so we try to, uh, try to clean those things up and really give the reviewer and hence the reader eventually of your work the best possible experience with that paper, with that study. Well, I, I, this is just so incredible, and I, I hope everyone listening to this understands and appreciates this resource, because when we are in medical school and graduate school, very few of us are taught how to <laughs> write. You know, I remember back in undergraduate, I took, you know, writing courses, but the fact that you said, you know, we focus editors on language, that is just a universal component of writing. Sure, as a scientist, we write papers and our mentors we kind of learn to write by doing or by um, mirroring or shadowing. And we see our mentors um, papers and we, and we see funded grant applications. So we try to mimic those and have templates, but very, very few of us are trained in the art of the written communication. So it drives me nuts sometimes when people don't appreciate how that is just an added value to academic medicine or any kind of academic pursuits is that all of our writing can be, you know, really helped and improved by someone who whose expertise is language. That's true. That's true. And not everyone should have to be, um, you know, a, a professional nonfiction writer in order to be a scientist or a clinician. Um, however, if you're in academic medicine, that's a big component of how you get promoted, how you win a grant. It's how your science is communicated. It's the permanent record of your research. Um, and it's how researchers around the world um, interact with you on a collaborative basis you may not even know about. Build on your work. Um, and so it is extremely important, and you're right. When I've surveyed our residents um, and asked them, what was the last formal writing training that you, that you ever had? For many, it was English 101 in oh, undergrad. And that is not an applied writing course. <laughs> that is not preparation for doing the type of scholarly writing that we expect our faculty to be able to do. So uh, there is a lack of training, and, and that is one thing that I offer within our, our department is a formal training in, in scholarly writing, biomedical writing. But you actually, our authors say they learn an awful lot just by the feedback that we give them as editors. As I mentioned earlier, we ask them questions. We say, why is this this way? Or when you say this, do you mean X or do you mean Y? And, and this helps 
native speakers as well as non-native speakers, I get lots of feedback that, that they really learn from it. So in addition to being a service, it is, it is, it's very educational too. What kind of outcomes have you seen around using, say, like a pre-post or comparing a group that you've um, provided services to, say, to that they don't have editing services? Right, right. Well, as far as the benchmark, for example, I had some recent data on the top 10 journals that we submit to in, in orthopedics. Um, and, and these are some great journals in the field. Um, and I rechecked with them to see what their acceptance rate was. So of all the manuscripts they receive, what percentage of them do they accept for publication? And the average acceptance rate was actually a little higher than I thought, but it was 28%. However, <laughs> Uh, when our authors submit using our service, our average rate of acceptance, first time acceptance, meaning the author's top choice journal, no rejections, is more than 50%. So it's been hovering around 52, 53%. Yeah. Um, and that's been quite consistent. So that represents an enormous saving of time and, and effort that our faculty can then put into their clinical service, their, you know, their, their research. Um, and so we, we help streamline this process by, by reducing the number of rejections that they would likely get otherwise. And what does time equate to? Money. So you're also <laughs> saving your, our faculty a lot of, I'm thinking of like the last time I submitted my umpteenth revision of a paper. <laughs> just I wanted to put my head through the monitor on my on my computer that the time it took just to oh, upload yeah. the paper. Oh my gosh, it was <laughs> like it, a good three hours. I had to get everybody's email addresses and their home addresses and their blood type and where city they were born in and all these, <laughs> these sign off sheets. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's hard enough really that we have to you know bleed to get these papers out and then all the barriers to getting it actually submitted. That is such valuable time. And but the money, you think of our faculty post-COVID, all these stressors and these home competing obligations, and it's how hard it is to write a paper. And then to think that last hurdle is just like exhausted, exhausted, and having to do some of these things. I, I can't, I'm just so excited and so elated that we have people like you who are experts. And also who have the passion to help and the build a team to try to offer this on a broader level. Can you tell me, tell us a little bit about the team that you put together um, at the School of Medicine as we're thinking about rolling this out to a, the larger audience? Sure. Well, our team um, serves uh, is, a, is a group of three of us, um, board certified editors, as I mentioned, um, in the life sciences. So we've all passed an exam, been vetted, had many years experience. And our team serves not only, as I mentioned, our, our clinical faculty, our basic science faculty. We've also branched out in the last few years and we, we serve several divisions of the Department of Radiology. So, so that's, that's kind of who we are, what we do. I have a teaching background as well. So I taught undergraduate uh, professional writing in the health sciences at University of Maryland. Um, and I also taught in the master's in biomedical writing program at University of the Sciences. So teaching is a great passion um, as well well uh, for me personally, um, as well as editing. Does that, does that answer your question? Yes, and I, I, I'm, thank you so much. And I'm thinking of um, not only the, the your team members in orthopedics and radiology, mm -hmm. but um, also Sarah Poynton, 
Uh, yes. Dr. Poynton has been teaching our biomedical and scientific writing course. So gosh, since before I came, so at least I think 10 years now, and she has mm-hmm. a lot of expertise in teaching about writing and Carissa Cooney and mm-hmm. Claire Levine, who uh, we yes. working, the four of you work really closely. I know on a proposal to broaden the scope of these resources. So we're going to be looking forward to a lot more happening at Hopkins School of Medicine around this resource, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, the key here, well, this is a huge differentiator for the Department of Orthopedic Surgery. Other departments don't have a robust editorial service like this. Some have individual editors, which is, which is great. Wonderful. Um, but this, uh, the seeing the success of this, my group is more than 20 years old in the Department of Ortho. And, and, and the reason for the longevity is, is the value. The, the value is easy for our authors to perceive. They work with us one time and they want more. And in fact, that's how we ended up working with radiology is one of their faculty was an author on an ortho paper. And he said, wait a minute, that was easy. We didn't even get, you know, barely any revision request uh, for that paper. That never happened. Who are these editors? How can I work with them? And so we were able to forge a, a collaboration uh, where we, we serve some of the uh, radiology faculty as well. But school of medicine wide, there is a need. Every time I tell uh, faculty in other departments what I do, they say, wait, how can we get that? <laughs> why, why ortho and why not us? I do think that a, um, a really thoughtful rollout of a, of a eventually robust service for the School of Medicine would, would, um, would, would change the lives of many of our faculty. And I say that um, with, with, with a humble attitude as well. We don't do the science and we don't write your papers, um, but we certainly uh, can, can assist that effort and make you more successful. So that's, that's our passion. That's what we love to do that we're trained to do. Well, well said. So you've been listening to Rachel Fox, the Director of Editorial Services and an Assistant Professor in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.